the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the College Basketball Conference Tournament Betting Preview Part 6. I'm Stucky, and joining me today, a friend of mine and friend of the pod, you know him very well, Mr. Jim Root from the Three Man Weave. What's going on, Jim? Not too much. We're getting into the heart of it. Uh, I, I just love that the conference tournament pool, you know, you overreact to where you are in the standing, Stucky, and then... Oh, there's still like 200 games to be played this week. There's there's a plethora of basketball ahead of us. Yes, we get a little bit of a breather Monday, Tuesday, um, but uh, we'll still have some tickets to the dance punched, and uh, then it gets crazy. One of the best weekends uh, of the season coming up, and then obviously the best weekend. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be madness. Today, very, I'm really excited for this episode because we're covering some really, really intriguing conferences. We're going to talk Big East, Conference USA, Southland, and maybe the one I'm excited for the most, the Mountain West, um, which it just has so many different storylines that we can could spend forever on it. Um, but we'll try to be a little efficient here. But before we dive in, a lot of newsworthy things happened. Um, it looks like John Davis is going to be okay. I know that happened today, but Wisconsin went down and Illinois just actually pulled it out against Iowa. Thanks to some ridiculously bad Iowa free throw shooting. And they clinched the one seed in the big 10 tournament. But uh, what's one takeaway that you wanted to mention from the weekend that was, it was a, a good weekend for bubble teams and not just because a lot of them won. Uh, BYU lost. That was a team that I think was in the outside looking in, had a chance to make a little bit of a run. They're probably drawing dead since they're in the clubhouse now. Loyola won their tournament. That was another team that was kind of lurking by the cut line, could have maybe been a bid stealer or, or allowed a bid stealer in the MVC. And then Murray State took care of business in the OVC. So that is good. The bubble has not shrunk yet. All the teams that are sitting near that cut line are at least feeling good about that aspect, uh, not having any bid stealers so far this year. Yeah, one team that we'll we'll talk about. Actually, it's a pretty good transition. We'll let's start with the Big East. Um, and Xavier is one team that is fading fast, but they had to be happy with some of those results because they're right on the cut line. The Big East has six teams safely in, I think, if you assume Creighton is in, and then and then Xavier. I think Bracket Matrix has them like barely in right now, um, but they're obviously trending in the wrong direction. But let's talk the Big East Conference Tournament. Always a fun one. Eleven teams get in. Played at Madison Square Garden, March 9th through the 12th. There's five buys, Providence, Villanova, UConn, Creighton, and Marquette. We have our round one games already set. St. John's to Paul is a bummer. Two teams that are like trending up and playing well and healthy, and they get each other in the first round. Seton Hall, Georgetown, Xavier Butler. Um, defending champ, Georgetown, was an eight seed. I was just talking about this with Matt. We have Georgetown, who's, what, I don't know, 150 to one. Georgia Tech. And Oregon State, defending champs that have zero chance of winning their conference tournament. Uh, bizarre year last year. Um, I'll, I'll start with a trivia question before we dive into the bracket and the odds. Lowest seed to win the Big East tournament ever. What's your guess? Or do you know it? Is it not the – I guess it's not Georgetown the eight seed last year. That must not be it. It's not. Uh, does it go back to the 16-team um, the era? I'll say the nine seed. Was, was UConn the nine seed? The year they won the title? Nine seed is correct. Ding, ding, ding. But it was uh, Cuse in 2004 with all those cra- – I think it was like that year they had all those crazy games and close wins, and they won four or five games in four or okay. five days. Um, but nine seed is correct. So you're nice. starting off with a winner. Um, all right, let's 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 take a look at the odds. Nova's the favorite, plus 165. We know how good they are. They are well-coached, well-schooled. They're just going to grind you down. Excellent passing team, going to get excellent offense. They're very good. UConn, actually second, 
plus 350. Providence around five to one. Marquette seven to one. Marquette really fading down the stretch, four and five down the stretch, although they did sweep Nova. And so does that make them more intriguing? We'll talk about them. Creighton 10 to one. Seton Hall, uh, you know, then you're getting the Seton Hall, St. John's 27 to one. Xavier 30 to one. Butler 35 to one. DePaul 65 to one. So let's attack this. Well, first I'll ask you when you first look at this bracket, uh, I can tell you my thoughts and then I'll get yours to see if you agree. This narrative that, you know, Providence is lucky. I tweeted out the other week. I said, we're going to get Providence like plus three in the first round against like a 14 seed and they're going to win by like 40 Uh, because everyone's just like, they're unlucky. I want to fade them. Um, So I look at, and they're, you know, five to one. UConn is plus 350 and they're in the same side of the bracket as Villanova. And Providence has to play either a fading, you know, Xavier team. Butler's been playing better with Hodges and Enzi, but, you know, Providence should win that game. And then they get a Creighton team that doesn't have Nemhard, and I think they're trash without him, and or a fading Marquette team. So, like, their path to the final is, is not tough. I mean, UConn has to play Seton Hall. We'll talk about maybe the status of Richmond, which could be big. And Villanova has to play, like, it's St. John's and DePaul's team that are playing really well. DePaul's a covering wagon. So like that's there's some landmines in that side of the bracket. So I my first thought was that maybe there's some value with Providence here. What were your first thoughts uh, on the bracket before we dig in here? Yeah, kind of even more just like higher level. I, I just looked at it and said, oh, the top half is where I want to bet because the bottom half is loaded uh, you, with teams that are a playing well. Like the bad teams are playing well that are on the bottom half, and it has the two best teams, Villanova and UConn. So if I want a future. I am hunting the top side of that bracket where the teams aren't playing as well. Honestly, of that top half of the bracket, the five that are up there, I would argue that only Providence is playing really well right now and is healthy. Like if you put those two qualifiers on it, it's only Providence. So uh, if you wanted to try to force one, like a long shot, I would probably look at the top half too. Like if you think somehow Xavier trends up in the, in the postseason or something, but yeah, like I think there's a very clear divide between the top half and the bottom half. That was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, in the bottom half, if you were going to, like, man, I mean, St. John's, I mean, St. John's is, I mean, DePaul's around 65 to 1. I mean, I would kind of think I would prefer DePaul over St. John's. But the problem is, I think St. John's, curious to get your thoughts on this, I think St. John's is a better shot of beating Villanova than DePaul, especially after watching those two games. DePaul kind of just, like, you know, they thrive in transition, they, and they, they kind of get caught playing how other teams play. Uh, but they're healthy now, but I just – it's hard for me to see them beating Villanova. St. John's, no matter who they play, they're just going to muck up the game. Um, so my problem is that, you know, St. John's to Paul could go either way. You're getting a much better odds with DePaul, but I just don't think that DePaul can beat Villanova. But DePaul's been uh, incredible since getting healthier and just a covering machine. Any thoughts on that particular matchup and or the odds there? Yeah, I mean, DePaul, I, you, kind of what you're what you're doing, we, we call them a pace taker, like – Whatever the other team plays, that's what they end up doing. Um, so if they're playing somebody like St. John's, they can thrive because they're, they're going to get in the track meet that they want to be in. Freeman, Liberty, and Jones are so good in transition. But then Villanova, yeah, they're going to end up playing a bogged-down half-court game like Villanova wants them to, and I, I think they are pretty much hopeless in that situation. Uh, but St. John's has given Villanova trouble in the past. I remember last yep. year, Posh got in Colin Gillespie's grill quite a bit and, and forced him into one of his worst games of his college career. And can still potentially do that. Penny's playing a lot better. They have the long athletes to compete with Nova and, and deal with their switching. So, yeah, St. John's was a team I was thinking about as, as a dark horse. If St. John's had gotten the eight or nine seed, I'd be on them betting them as a future on that top half of the bracket. I just The hesitance is having to go through Villanova in the second round. Yep. Uh, injury concerns with Creighton. Do you agree? Do you think Creighton is done? Um you know, as far as making a run of the tournament or winning this without Nembhard. And then uh, anything on Seton I was actually surprised Seton Hall still ended up pulling it out down to their third point guard after they lost Richmond. I haven't seen an update on him, but his hand injury looms large as well. Are those two teams complete stayaways because of the injury situation? Yeah, especially Creighton for me. Um, I, I think there's, you know, other talent on the roster. They beat UConn without Nembhard, but he just means so much to them. I think the fact that they did lose to Seton Hall's third string point guard is reflective of how important he is to them. Uh, he's playing basically every minute before he got hurt. Uh, so I, I, I'm glad they got the UConn win done because I, I think they belong in the tournament for what they did all season. And they, they don't have the excuse of like, oh, you didn't win any games without Nemhard. They got a good win without him. 
I just don't see where they go without like a true creator, somebody to control the game. Uh, that that's trouble for the Blue Jays. Uh, yeah, Seton Hall, like you said, they down to third string point guard. Aiken was really good before he got hurt. They were like a run and gun team for a while, which is not what I expected coming in. Then he got hurt. They kind of reformed into defensive identity that I was expecting with a huge lineup, Richmond at point guard. Uh, but now if he's out, that is going to be uh, a serious problem. So that's, that's one that's like, as we record this on Sunday night, we don't know exactly what his status will be. You, you got to monitor it going forward. Yeah. I think, uh, and by the way, Marquette, they're fa- they're fading here. They were a wagon, thing, but they swept Villanova. Um, they're in the opposite side of the bracket. Are you souring on this team of late? Yeah, I've, I came into the year and I was like, I think they're going to be awesome as an underdog. I like them getting points, like kind of counted out. I think Shock is a great motivator. But then they got maybe a little too high in some of the, the betting markets, the value, because they won so many games. They swept Villanova. They blew out Providence. They were like, okay, look at this team go. And then they were favored a lot. And I just think they got to the point where it was not the right circumstances to back them. And they've obviously lost a few games down the stretch here. Um, so... Yeah, I'm sorry a little bit, but they do have maybe arguably the best player in the league in Justin Lewis. And that's always a, a huge asset as you as you enter postseason play, because you want to be able to throw him the ball and, and rely on somebody to get you buckets. Yep. We're kind of in agreement here. I think if you're going to take a future, if you don't want to get too crazy, I think Providence has the value up top. And by the way, everyone's going to, oh, they're, they're lucky. They're lucky. They win every game by one to five points. Well, that, that works in a Big East tournament when you just need to win games. Um, we're not talking about covering six here. We're talking about advancing uh, against uh, some potentially wounded and or fading teams just to get to the final. And then keep in mind, uh, I mean, Providence with like nothing to play for played and um, granted that was marked the shot quality market as a 17 point loss. They didn't have Durham, but they played Villanova tough. It's a, it's a veteran well-coached team. They also got a lot of rest. Um, they didn't play this weekend and they don't have a bench really. It's not a deep team. So you got to win three games in three days. So I think that rest helps. And if you want to take a flyer, I think we both agree that it's St. John's. The problem is you got a landmine with DePaul in a game that could, uh, you know, DePaul could realistically win in, in a shootout. Should be a, a very entertaining game to watch. But look, St. John's, can they win four games in four days? I mean, it's a team that plays fast, um, tries to muck it up, and, you know, but they're going to play Nova. They're going to play UConn. It's going to be, it's not going to be as many possessions. But as you said, they've given Nova trouble in the past. This year against Connecticut on the road, they lost in overtime. And at home, they lost by three, um, you know, and they have a ton of talent and they kind of just ugly up games. Uh, so I think that's the way to go. Um, Can I add any- one more? One more yeah. that sort of intrigues me just because I said, like, if I want to take a flyer, be a top half. Uh, I did see one price of Butler 80 to one. And if they, you know, Xavier's fading, they almost beat Providence. Granted, it was without Durham and it was at Hinkle, but they are playing a lot better with Hodges. 80 to one in that kind of open-ish top half of the bracket isn't, isn't something I hate that that is getting a little wild with, with the Bulldogs, but um, it's at least worth a glance. I think. Yeah. There's no one that when, you know, now that they're fully healthy and if you look, I mean, just without Hodges and I mean, the results were ugly, um, but now that they're fully healthy, there's no one on that top half of the bracket that they can't beat on their good day. So yeah, yeah, I don't hate that at all. First, any, you know, we have three first round games and then we have Creighton Marquette is already set. Any of them stick out for a potential betting opportunity or something down the line uh, for a matchup that might pop up? Uh, I think you should live bet Georgetown when they get down 20 points because that's what they do. Uh, and then they always charge back. And we, we saw Ewing have a, a good tournament last year. Uh, so that's one thing I would look at. I'm, I'm sure they'll get down big against Seton Hall. Uh, and then I'd probably be looking to back Marquette. Uh, just because of the Nemhard injury, uh, I still think Creighton's a little bit overvalued in the market uh, because honestly, because they had a good performance without him, maybe the line isn't getting knocked because of his absence. So uh, Marquette would be a team I'd be looking at too. Uh, yeah. So what's Georgetown? I guess it depends somewhat on Richmond status. Georgetown gonna be plus 12 against, um, against Seton Hall and then lose by 11 on a backdoor. I mean, that's, I feel like that's been like the last two weeks. They're like plus 12 and they lose by 11 uh, after they get down by 20. Yep. It's automatic, like clockwork. Um, all right. Good stuff there in the Big East. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's get the Southland out of the way. Um, we have Southland March 9th through the 12th in Katy, Texas, 18 tournament. Nichols and Sela, Southeast Louisiana, have double buys. Texas A&M 
Corpus Christi and New Orleans have single buys. Um, before we get in another trivia question, this one I don't think that you'll uh, ever get, but I'll throw it out there. Which team has the most Southland titles in its history? Does it have to still be in the league or is it this nope. ever? Okay, ever. then I will say UT, either Arlington or San Antonio. I'll go with Arlington. Not a bad guess, but it's uh, you're in the right conference. It's Well, it's actually Northeast Louisiana, which became oh. UL Monroe. Um, yeah, I had no choice. So, yeah, no one. I, I didn't know that. I had to look it up. Yeah. I just, um, I just wrote, uh, I wrote this up for our, for the for the action site, and I was going through the historical winners. And I was like, oh, UTSA won a Southland title. UT Arlington. So that's the only reason I even knew Arlington could be a guess. <laughs> well, speaking of the craziness of Southland, last year's champion is no longer in the, the conference. Uh, Abilene Christian won it as a two seed last year. By the way, we have to. I think we have to talk about um, that Houston Baptist McNeese State game, four overtime game. One of the worst beats I've ever seen. Uh, there was McNeese was plus McNeese was plus to two, plus three. They had a game winning three, but a kid ran onto the court and they got a technical. Then it went to four overtimes and they lost by five. Uh, not the best strategy by those teams, by the way. Um, ahead of the conference tournament where they have to win four games in four days to go four overtimes on Saturday. 117 Why, possessions. Yeah, that's that's not advisable to play like a game and a half instead of one game. Yeah. Uh, I take it – so let's see. I mean, Nichols State's the favorite. Uh, they're plus 115. Last tourney appearance for Nichols, 1998. New Orleans, plus 390. Selah, plus 500. McNeese, 17 to 1. Then you're getting down to like Houston Baptist, 23 to 1. Northwestern State, 27 to 1. I just pulled these from one book. Obviously, prices are going to vary. Nichols State is the favorite. They're the team that I think is clearly the best in this conference. I mean, you know, we saw them earlier this year. They, you know, they competed at TCU. They competed at Wisconsin. One of the things that really scares me about them, they did get triple swept by Southeast Louisiana. They played in like a non, a neutral non-conference like conference tournament. Um, it was, it was at the, the same, same building. They played in Katy, Texas. So everybody's got familiarity here. Good point there. The thing that scares me, I had them at, uh, at Nichols in the latest game and they were up by like 23 in the second half and lost by two. And it wasn't, I, I don't, I don't even think this was part of the reason. Yeah. They were only four of eight from the line, but they are horrendous at the free throw line, which scares me with Nichols state. They're like 62%. Um, just something to throw out there, but I think they're the best team in the conference. I don't know if I'm running to bet plus one fifteen though, but do you think that they're the clear class and is that the side or is there a long shot worth investing? What's your thoughts on this bracket? I think they're the clear favorite, but I like you, I don't really like the price. Uh, what, one thing to note on the free throw percentage, I think usually a lot of those teams that are terrible at the line are because one guy is like 40%. But they just have everybody on their team shoots 60%. Like they don't have two good free throw guys to give it to late because no one on their team is, is efficient at the line. So, yeah, that, that is a huge problem. Um, it, they got a couple guys that are in like the 40s and 30s too. Yes. They don't have a high volume. But it's like I just go look at their roster and their free throw percentage. It's, it's, it's stunning. They don't have like a – at the end of a game, you don't have a guard to throw to that's like your one guard that can, can hit 85% even if the, you know, the rest of your team – like the Memphis teams, like they would have at least one guard – they don't have any, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the preseason tournament or whatever, they played in early January. Southeastern Louisiana won that one because they shot 50% from three over three games. They were 40 for 79 over that span, which obviously probably not repeatable, but they did triple sweep nickels. And I think that's a, a point worth worth noting because Sela uh, also ended up getting the double buy uh, because New Orleans lost on the final day to nickels. They dropped from the one to the three. Uh, and that's that kind of sets up well for Sela that they don't have to play nickels till the final price wise though. Nothing really excited me here. I, I feel like the lines are kind of around where I would put them. None of the long shots True. playing that opening day have any intrigue to me whatsoever. I, I think all four of those teams are bad. None of them are going to win four in four days. Uh, so it probably comes down to nickels. I just, I don't have an exciting future bet here, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, Texas A&M Corpus Christi was intriguing, Earlier in the season, they were uh, a really surprising team and kind of jumped up the analytical 
you know, metrics and, and power rating systems across the board. Because I mean, they were I mean, some people. What are they? They probably started at like three forty six or something on Kempom. They were like considered maybe a bottom ten team. They were better than expected, but they kind of faded down the stretch. And I think uh, you know some of the teams kind of figured out. Um, Corpus Christi is that kind of your thoughts on them? I mean, they did end up winning four of five to close the year. Um, but again, yeah. they play some bad teams in this league. Right. And Lutz is a, their new coach. First year coach is a Matt Painter guy coming off the staff at Purdue. So uh, a system that maybe you get better at defending the second time you see it uh, because it's a lot of motion, a lot of uh, off ball action. So perhaps some of the teams that get better. The one thing I do like, and maybe this is kind of getting into the specific matchup stuff is they're seven and three against the spread as a dog. They were really good in the non-con against power conference teams uh, and so I kind of like them if they get to the semifinals, even though they'll be playing a second game in two days, uh, whether they're uh, looking at the bracket, they'll be playing Nichols. I, I think they can kind of hang around as a dog in that one. Um, so that's one like specific matchup angle I'm looking at, but their future uh, plus 700 or so, that seems fair. Like I don't have a, a strong value take there. Yeah. I mean, the difference for me, even though they did get triple swept is like Nichols state has a decent offense and a decent defense for this quality. I mean, I think they're the best, the best offense. Uh, and the bad way you could argue Selah is the best offense, not by much, but Selah's defense is just terrible. Yeah. Um, like just horrendous. And then you have, you know, some other teams where it's like, ah, oh, their offense is good, but their defense. So I, I just think Nichols is the most solid across the board. And probably has I the best player too, which helps. Yep. Yep. Um, and if you like, if you, if you're not familiar with the Southland, a lot of pace. These teams want to play faster um, outside of uh, Incarnate Word, who uh, likes to crawl. But there's a lot of pace. And then you mentioned, so here's a curious angle. We'll get into some, because I agree, there's not much value from a futures perspective. Um, you said that they play, you know, same building. And they played that uh, that random conference tournament, non-conference conference tournament in the middle of the year that didn't count towards their conference record. Um same building, a lot of pace in this conference. Familiarity is uh, the potential for some overs here. Is there anything in the first, you know, some of the first round matchups that yeah. intrigue you or anything there? I think overs are worth a look there. Uh, the one thing I remember, and I, I, uh, the last two games of that tournament, I blind bet the unders on the third day because clearly, like, the teams had kind of run out of gas. Uh, and I think all four unders hit on the third day of the tournament. So if you get a couple teams playing third game in three days, if you get some upsets in the final, I think unders are worth a look. But the early rounds are heavy overs. The teams shot really well in this gym uh, in that preseason tournament, Sela especially, but other teams did did as well. So I think early overs, and then when the legs go, final round, maybe you get an inflated number because of the early rounds, and then you bet the under in the in the final. Yeah, I'd be curious. I would definitely prefer with Northwestern State and McNeese, but I, I mean, look, you have to worry about the you have to worry about the legs for Houston Baptist and the legs for McNeese. Incarnate Word wants to crawl it, so maybe there's more questions than I thought. I and mean, let's see, Incarnate Word, Houston Baptist, their games were 82-68 and 68-65 this year, um, and then Northwestern and McNeese. 80 to 75 and 93 to 84. Um, and by the way, legs can also hurt you on, on defense. Um, yep. uh, so I think I might prefer the Northwestern state McNeese state over um, anything from a side perspective or no, we're, 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 we're dealing with dregs here. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the first day, like McNeese is the only one that's not a complete dumpster fire. So maybe they're worth a look if they're dialed in, like they have some transfers from, like VCU and Southern Illinois, like some pretty decent down transfers uh, that can actually be solid. So I, I think if they actually play to their level, they're, they're a category above the, their opening round opponent. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to our next conference. Let's talk Conference USA. It takes place March 8th through the 12th, the Ford Center in Frisco, Texas, 14-team tournament, North Texas, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee State, UAB. Get a double buy into the quarter. Six teams get a single buy. Two round one games, FIU Marshall and UTSA Southern Miss. We won't even get into their futures. Uh, they'd have to win five games in five days, and they're just not worth considering. Defending champ, North Texas. They were a three seed. Since the – this, I mean, this this conference has changed a lot. I, you know, since post-Memphis days, which is what it looks like, the closest that it's looked to what it is today, 
the lowest seeds to win Marshall four seed in 2018. But this, this tournament, the bracket has like weird, like three West and four West and, but UAB a four seed in 2015 one trivia question here, before we get into the odds, only two current members have multiple conference USA titles. Charlotte, Charlotte is correct. Charlotte. And the other is middle Tennessee. They each have two. Wow. I think Mem- Memphis okay. has the most um, conference USA titles. Yeah, I think Memphis has seven. Can I say something about just the general setup of this league? It's Absolutely. They, it's played in a football stadium, and they have a divider in the middle, and they have two courts. So it's like this weird shooting background. Unders have been really strong have been in loose. the past. So like because of this weird background, because there's two games going on at once, I, I would keep an eye on unders. If you're on the fence, an under is probably a good play here. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting in that – and markets across the board in all sports and in college basketball is included in that are getting more efficient, but you just have these, you know, these certain arenas that I do, the market just doesn't go low enough um, on some of these totals. We see it. We saw it with the Valley again. I mean, I, I went 10 years. What are the Valley totals going to be 105? Um, they keep going lower and then they keep just going under. I, that's, I just don't think that that, that is conducive to the shooting that stadium. Uh, but you're right. The conference USA unders have been loot. I'm assuming if you're an early better low limits, like yeah, I'm assuming most of these totals are going to get steamed down. After yes. I'm open. All right. Let's uh, getting into the odds. UAB is the favorite, not North Texas. Who's the one seed UAB is plus one seven, pretty, pretty close. North Texas plus plus one eighty five. UAB won at North Texas, but they lost by one at home. North Texas. Um, let me go through these odds first, then we'll get into some of these teams. La Tech plus 850. Western Kentucky plus 950. Middle Tennessee, the covering machines, 10 to 1. FAU, 18 to 1. UTEP, 35 to 1. Charlotte, 40 to 1. ODU, 65 to 1. So North Texas is up top. You know, they have Western Kentucky, La Tech. Let's start up top. I mean, North Texas, just an incredible defense. They, they just grind games to a halt, very well coached. But they're going to be in close games. They tend to just just find ways to win all these close games. But it's not like once they play some of these good teams, they're going to have a shot. Louisiana Tech would be – look, I've backed them a couple times and have not had success against these top teams. They're 0-4 against UAB and North Texas. La Tech at plus 850. They have to play in the second round, which means they'd have to win four games in four days, which isn't ideal. They'd have to beat you know winner of FIU Marshall, as they should, then Western Kentucky then presumably North Texas. Lofton's a stud. This team, it's just, there's just something that's missing. I don't, I don't quite know what it is with La Tech, but can they put it together here? And is there any value in the top half there? Or is it just North Tech, North Texas is going to sh- strangle everybody? I think there's some value with them or, or Western Kentucky. Uh, I think both of those teams, uh, Western Kentucky has trended way up. They started two and six and are now 11 and seven and getting one of the double buys. Like that, that is pretty impressive for a team that started floundering like they did. They've got a seven foot six shot blocker. There's some weird idiosyncrasies about preparing to play yep. against that team that I think are tricky in a, a one game turnaround. Uh, so I think, yeah, if you have a preference between Louisiana Tech or Western Kentucky, either one of those is worth playing. And I saw a, a 16 to one out there in Western Kentucky that I thought was definitely worth a look because that they're already in the quarterfinals. They've beaten Louisiana Tech. Uh, they were right there with North Texas. So I, I think that that might be worth a look. North Texas isn't so categorically above these other teams because of the style they play that they're going to like consistently blow them out. So I, they're not like a huge favorite. I like backing. Yeah. Well, Western Kentucky, but they lost by one at Louisiana Tech. What, what do you, can you put your finger on what exactly is off just against the top teams for Louisiana Tech? Like what is, what is missing? It's probably a little bit guard play. I think their guards yeah. are fine, but there, there's not like a, okay, late game, run a pick and roll. You will create for yourself or others. Uh, it's just tough when your best offensive player is clearly a big man that is a lot easier to double and keep the ball out of his hands. Now, North Texas, this, I mean, North Texas, I'm a huge fan of McCaslin, North Texas coach. And by the way, you mentioned like, Weird prep tournament setting. He's an incredible coach. That could hurt North Texas here, right? Like lack of prep time and quick turnarounds. But, you know, under him, if you look at some of the three-point percentages, I mean, it's always going to be an incredible defense. But it's not like they're elite, elite in three-point percentage allowed. I didn't think they were going to be as good as last year, but they are. Tyler Perry's a stud. 
the teams in in the league are shooting 28% from three. They're also shooting 40% from three. Is that sustainable? Um, or is there a potential regression coming for North Texas? Maybe a little bit. I think the one thing they do do is a lot of those attempts are late in the shot clock forces because of how they elongate the shot clock. They, they give up the average, the longest average possession length in the, in the conference. I think that's reflective of how many times teams are against the shot clock and they just kind of got to throw something up. Uh, but yeah, the North Texas offensive three-point percentage is a little surprising to me. I think they have some good shooters. I love Tyler Perry, but uh, the rest of the roster is, is just solid to me, not really a 40% high-volume type of team. So it, maybe a little bit of regression both ways, but not too severe. Yeah, North Texas – and by, and they, by the way, they take away the three. I mean, you just yep. – they're the fifth in the nation um, in three-point rate. All right, let's move down to the bottom half of the bracket which uh, Middle Tennessee is the one seed, one of the most surprising, pleasant surprises in the country. The two seed is UAB, um, who's just a wagon. I love Jordan Jelly Walker. They won at North Texas, lost by one at home, like I said. One of the things with UAB, maybe you can help me crack the code, because I love this team. I think they'd be dangerous if they get into the tournament. A couple head-scratching, like loss, like you know, losing at Marshall, losing at Rice, losing at ODU. Just didn't expect that from them those three losses uh, but this team has a ton of potential there's a reason that they're favored deserve it favored um what do you think yeah probably they also i think set up really well for a tournament because they have so much depth they can really kind of go like too deep at every spot i don't think they're going to be deterred by playing three games in three days uh, and they also will press they will take advantage of that depth it's not just like hey we've got 10 guys that could play it's we will hurl them at you in waves take out your legs and they will, they're a good second half team because of that. Uh, the pressure just kind of takes its toll over time. Uh, so I, I definitely buy them as a viable candidate here. They have a ton of transfer talent. Like you look at the pedigree of the guys on the roster and where they came from. There's a couple of SEC guys. Uh, there's a couple of ACC guys that just tells you how talented this team is. And yeah, the, the weird lulls, I, I kind of give the, the losses that you mentioned, I give a little bit of the like doldrums of the season credit to that. They knew they were not really in the mix for an at-large. Uh, so I give them a little bit of a pass. And I think this is where we see the best version of them is in the postseason. Staying in the bottom half, maybe you want to talk about Middle Tennessee State, who's the one seed, but they're 10 to one. I, I think that a lot of people might potentially be intrigued by UTEP. 30, yes. 35 to one, you know, boom, the I enemy. Am. You got Kennedy back. They just beat North Texas to close out the year. Pretty much competed with uh, all the top teams in the conference. Uh, is this team dangerous? Yeah, I'm nodding emphatically as you as you discussed UTEP. I think the odds for them are a little crazy because Middle Tennessee, while a cover machine, isn't like this impossible team to beat in the quarterfinals. I think it's a decent draw for them. Like they don't have to go through UAB or North Texas to get to the semis. Uh, and yeah, getting Kennedy back is, is enormous. They lost the first game with him back, but it was a close one to UAB by three. And then that you mentioned, they beat North Texas. Kennedy played all 40 minutes. He, he's averaging almost 17 a game in his last two since coming back adds another down transfer wing athlete that upgrades the talent and the depth. I, I think they are, uh, definitely a, a live dog in this field and, Joe Golding has won postseason games before. Like that, that is a coach who's proven that he can win this kind of a single elimination tournament. Knocked off Texas last year with inferior talent uh, at Abilene Christian. So I, I like the coach combo with the roster and the draw. I, UTEP I think is a really good bet. Yeah, they they lost by three at home to UAB. They beat North Texas. They won at La Tech, so they can play with anyone. No concerns with. I mean, they lost by in their one meeting with Middle Tennessee State. They lost by twenty. Some <laughs> bad shooting variants and. Kennedy wasn't back for them. There's nothing from a matchup perspective that would scare you there. I mean, I think they have the athletes to middle Tennessee state, like speed. It's kind of what their MO is. And then they get to the line a ton and then they don't miss from the line. Um, but I, I, I don't see anything from a matchup perspective that would scare me away from uh, UTEP. Right. You agree? Yeah. Agreed. And we, I, we don't know for sure what the deal is with Josh Jefferson, middle Tennessee. He missed their last two games of the year. They lost both. Uh, he is, mega important to them like the, the speed and the downhill play that you mentioned like he's the facilitator the straw that serves the drink i don't know if it's off court stuff or an injury they said undisclosed was the reason given for why he missed those games so 
that's that's another small reason that I think UTEP has some value because if he's still out or limited or something, that, that just limits Middle Tennessee as a whole. Now, I don't think this is going to be the line, but if you're looking at this, if you just came in blind, you didn't know anything about college wrestling, you're just looking at my screen right now, you would say, oh, look, Ken Palm has the UTEP Old Dominion game as like a toss-up. And Old Dominion is like 70 to one and UTEP is 35 to one. Um, I think Old Dominion kind of stinks, but uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get that game at a, at a pick em because uh, I, I, UTEP <laughs> is better. And yeah, the, the Kennedy return is not factored into that. Uh, the Ken Palm yep. line, I'm sure the odds makers will have it you know, laying two and a half or something to, to frustrate me immensely, but I'll probably still back the miners there because I just think they're on the rise with Kennedy back and a team that's undervalued in the market still. You might be able to get a soft open, but it'll, it'll, uh, it'll get popped. Trust me. Yes. Um, anything else from a futures perspective, any other flyers or, and how about a, a prediction here? Uh, yeah, I, I'll predict that UAB wins. Uh, North Texas has been awesome this year and has built maybe kind of a, a fringe at large candidacy, but they've won a lot of close games because of Tyler Perry heroics. He had a couple buzzer beaters for them late. I don't think they're quite the best team. They've suffocated some bad teams, which has increased their uh, analytical ranking. So I think UAB wins, but not enough to bet the price that they're currently laying. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think North Texas has been a, a bit, you know, we talked about some of the shooting regression, but I got I want a lot, a whole lot of close game luck. Like I remember the Florida Atlantic game. I had Florida Atlantic against them. I mean, Florida Atlantic misses a couple wide open threes, then free throws and a wide open layup at the end, and just did everything possible to lose that game uh, in a game they easily could have won. Um, so I agree. And uh, as as you know, great of defense and as much that I respect Kaslin. Like I, I'm sorry, give me. Give me Jelly Walker and UAB in the, in the tournament over North Texas, just from a pure entertainment perspective. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to have enough elite defenses, like from the big 12 that are getting in. We, we don't need North <laughs> yeah. Texas also. And give me uh, UAB, but I agree. I think UTEP is the shop around. That's uh, the flyer worth taking um, from the bottom half and middle Tennessee state of Jefferson can't go just even better. Yeah. I saw 45 to one on them that, I'm probably going to take a swing at. I agree. Minor nation. Um, any any first round matchups or potential matchups from an individual game perspective that you have circled? I think Marshall's probably a solid bet in that opener. Uh, I just think FIU is the last year. Look at how badly they quit down the stretch. And I kind of feel like they've done a little bit the same this year. Uh, Marshall, a team that was actually predicted to be quite good in this league and has not been. And I usually kind of like to trend back a little bit to preseason expectations to where team feels like this is a reset. We can kind of earn some redemption for our underperformance. Uh, and Marshall is good enough to do that. There's also a chance this might be Dan D'Antoni's last uh, coaching hurrah. Maybe there's a, a win one for Dan kind of vibe going around that team. What happened with them this year? Ah, man, I wish I knew. I think they were always one guard short. They just kind of lack any depth or creation at the point guard spot. When Jared West left to go to Louisville, that that really hurt him. But they're more talented than what they've shown, especially with Tavion Kinsey in the lineup. So, yeah, I can't fully explain it, but it's one it maybe made them a, a by-low candidate here. All right, let's get to what I think a lot of people are excited for and uh, the part of this episode that I'm most excited for, and that's the Mountain West conference tournament which should be electric march 9th through 12th the tom's max center in las vegas where jim resides 11 teams in the tournament five buys boise wyoming unlv colorado state san diego state round one games already set nevada new mexico it's a shame i kind of wanted both of them to kind of get a shot at some of these uh big boys utah state air force and fresno san jose state Defending champ, San Diego State. They were the one seed. San Diego State was the five seed in 2018. Wyoming was the four seed in 2015. The lowest seed to win it was Colorado State, number six in 2003. I'll get here's the trivia question. You, you might, I think you'll know this. Last time the UNLV won was in 2008. And uh, who was the tournament MVP on that team? 2008 UNLV, man, that one's going to escape me. Oh, was it Kevin Kruger? Not Kevin Kruger. I think he was in 20, 2007. 
Ah, the tournament I thought I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because he's their coach now. That's why it's the trivia question. But yep. Um, which I was gonna bring up after, which is why I have that. He was 2007, but okay. uh, Wink Adams. Wink Adams wow. was the tournament MVP the last time UNLV won it. This is probably it's as much optimism as we've seen around UNLV heading into the Mountain West Conference tournament in a few years. Let's take a look at the odds here. And by the way, like there's seven teams in the top 85 on Kempom, and you have now you have a healthy Nevada, you have a dangerous New Mexico team that can score. And this is just a load of coverage. There's four teams that are safely in the tournament. You agree, Wyoming safely in now? I think they're fringy. I, I think they're, they'd be sweating if they lost to UNLV. I'd probably still have them in, but it's not like a surefire lead pipe block. Okay. But Boise, Colorado State, and San Diego State are certainly in. And there's teams that are talented enough to take this down, like UNLV, Bryce Hamilton, could do it. Um, Fresno State, even. I mean, they're going to grind you down. They're going to be in the game. They have a you know first-round draft pick on their team. Utah State even underperformed, but getting healthier. They played a lot of the top teams very close. They can make a run here. They won yeah, that Myrtle healthy. Beach Invitational early in the year. Like they've, so they've, they've won a tournament before this season. Yep. You have New Mexico who could just get hot, red hot. They don't really play any defense. And unfortunately, they're not going to play at the pit. And I don't think New Mexico fans travel as much as they used to. I remember going to the Mountain West Conference Tournament in uh, Vegas back in the day. New Mexico fans were incredible. I went – I remember the – I was at the Fredette game and we scored 52 against New Mexico. Um one of the best live college kids I've ever been to. But uh, New Mexico can score. I don't think they're going to take it all down. But Nevada's healthy now. Um, look, I mean, it just gave a scare into San Diego State. They got everyone back. It's a team that some people said could win the conference before the year started. Dealt with some injuries, but now they're trending back up. Unfortunately, uh, we're not going to talk about San Jose State. Did not uh, glance at their 500-1. to one. Uh, Indoor Air Force at 210-1. But Air Force can be tricky on their day. Um so this is just a fascinating conference tournament. The games should be electric. I actually think that, you know, of the teams that are safety on like Boise, Colorado State, San Diego State, it might be better off for them not to win this. Like for their, obviously they're going to try to win it, but like it's going to be a grind to win this. And then you have the, and then you have the NCAA tournament coming up. It's like, you know, win a game or two, get out. And because you know, these are going to be wars. It might end up benefiting them next week, but the games are going to be awesome. Um, Boise, uh, the, the favorite plus 280, they're the one seed up top. They'll get the winner of Nevada and New Mexico. And then they would face the winner. If they win that game, they face the winner of Wyoming and UNLV. So let's start up top. Um, we did just see UNLV beat Wyoming. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that, you know, Nevada could beat Boise State. So a lot of intrigue up top. We'll get to the bottom next, but what sticks out to you up there? Yeah, I think didn't Nevada gave him a, a heck of a game in Boise recently. I, yeah. I think you, you and I talked about how that line was crazy high at 10. And sure enough, that was they were Boise to, playing to clinch everything. And it like came down to the final minute. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, like I just the, the the futures market for this was so frustrating to me because I was like, they're all so even. And it's, it's really a, if you have a team that you like have a read on here it's there's going to be a good price on them because the market is such mixed opinions on what's the best team and, and how to price all these teams that you, if you shop around basically any one of these squads, you can find value on. Uh, so in that top half, I fear for Wyoming. I think that's a tough matchup for them with UNLV. They lost to UNLV, like you mentioned, and they didn't even get a good Bryce Hamilton game. He only had three field goals in that one. Uh, I think UNLV played it correctly where they guarded Maldonado and EK one V one and kind of just took away the shooters and said, all right, we dare you to like beat us one V one with those guys. And they weren't quite able to Maldonado is dealing with his like eye issue. I don't, I think he's, you know, he's back, he's playing probably close to hundred percent, but maybe not all the way there. Uh, so I'm, I'm still seeing that UNLV Cinderella run with them hosting the tournament. Uh, I think they at least get to the semis and, and we see where they go, they go from there. You going against Wyoming. That's uh very rare. Yes. this year um your pokes but they have kind of faded a bit um i would have normally been worried about like the unlv post defense doesn't really grade out excellently if you look at some synergies but they they played that great um when they played wyoming and just face and they're playing awesome and hamilton could just take over a game at any point in time and go nuclear any thoughts on nevada i mean like a hundred like i think you could find maybe like a 
100 to 1 out there. Um, my yeah. problem with UNLV, maybe I'm just stubborn because, like, you – and I just – I should have done it, but I didn't. Like, they were, like, 28 to 1, like, uh, a month ago, and I didn't do it. And now I was, like, 9 to I, I went to the the UNLV Colorado State game, and like in the week leading up to that, they were twenty eight to one. And I, I was there with like one of the writers for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's like, "Yeah, the, the hype's starting to go." And then they dominated that game. The odds were down. And they came back up, and they were like twelve to one. Like it just completely shifted off that game. I think the the momentum behind. Oh wow, UNLV is back. Uh, so yeah, like I didn't want to take the 12 because that 20, 28 had been available and now 12 is nowhere to be found either. <laughs> so that's what happens when I just like get paralyzed and attached to the anchor to the old price. Yep. Now nah, a bias that you should get rid of, but it's still there at times. I mean, money line rollover, I don't think would pay more um, than 10 to one on UNLV because there's, and you have to factor this in when you think about money on rollers because there's risk that Boise goes down. Um, so that I, I think you has to play into it. Like Nevada could beat Boise state and then all of a sudden, you know, UNLV wins and then you're favored in the semis. And, um, so I don't know if you'd like UNLV, I would still bet the future, but Nevada has a ton of potential. Um, and if their their guards are hitting, they can play with anyone in this conference. So getting, you know, 80, 90 to one for a little flyer, I don't hate it with the pack. Yeah, it's like what I said about Marshall, where it's this team that has been, they felt like they really underachieved and dealt with some injuries. And now, like, this is the time to salvage their season, win four games in four days. They're not like when they're healthy, they're not anywhere off the map talent wise compared to the rest of these teams. Maybe Alford's a little behind in the coaching department than some of the other uh, head, head, head guys in this league, but with the talent they have in the backcourt between Sherfield and Cambridge, Warren Washington up front, holding it down in the, in the paint, they are absolutely a candidate to go on a run. I don't think they're anywhere like uh, in a different class than Boise. So that's a great price considering what the talent they have. And as much as I love house, uh, who's just awesome and him and Mashburn can score with anyone, they tough shot makers, but I just, they don't play enough defense and uh, away from the pit. Uh, I don't, I don't think I can't see New Mexico. I could see New Mexico maybe winning a game or two, but I don't think they can put it together for four in a row. Would you agree there? Yeah. Yeah. I think the farthest they would get would be that semi and then playing with basically two guys as their offense, you're going to run out of gas for sure. Yeah. And they play super fast too. So legs could become an issue. Um, all right. Let's go to the bottom half of the bracket mentioned Colorado state is plus three sixty. San Diego state is plus three seventy. Colorado state got drilled uh in Vias earlier this year and then they were drilling san diego state and unfortunately for me they blew a 20 point lead like 10 minutes ago and then hit a buzzer beater to win it uh so they split in the regular season colorado state the two seed will have to first play the winner of utah state and air force it's a tricky utah state team um might get some value on utah state against colorado state in that game we'll talk about that shortly san diego state will play the winner of San Jose State, Fresno State, which means that San Diego State will play Fresno State uh, on Thursday. And Fresno State just took them to double overtime at San Diego State on Thursday. Orlando Robinson is incredible. The San Diego State defense is incredible. But Fresno State can play some de- themselves. The game will probably be like 48 to 46 with a minute to go. Fresno will have a chance to win that game. Um, so, again – intriguing bottom half can fresno state or utah state make some noise here against uh two teams that are safely in the field so maybe you get some desperate a desperate want run from one of these teams that definitely has potential to make some noise what are you seeing in the bottom half yeah you kind of alluded to it with the the score prediction there 48 46 with a minute left like this is the opposite of the southland where like almost every team wants to play slow at a crawl besides Nevada and New Mexico who play each other in the first round. Uh, Fresno games are like close to auto unders for me at this point because they are so slow and they're better defensively and they don't always feed their big man the way they should. Uh, But the fact that you have a lot of these slow teams means well-possession games, which can lead to higher variance outcomes, which I, I think is good for taking a shot at somebody like Utah State or somebody like Fresno uh, who have proven themselves time and again to be as good as some of these at-large teams that they're facing. Uh, they just haven't gotten the wins necessary to be in the picture. 
but now coming down to a single elimination event. Yeah. I think it's worth taking a stab at them because I, I they're, you know, they're not the same quality as Boise and Colorado state uh, and, and uh, San Diego state, but they're good enough to beat them like on any given night. So I, I wouldn't want to back one of those top dogs at three to one. I'd much rather have Fresno or Utah state or somebody at like 10 or 11 to one. Yeah. It also helps with Fresno state. The fact that, I mean, now you're going to have to win four games in four days, but the first game is against San Jose state. And you mentioned they play slow, low possession game. So that helps too with the legs. If you're going to get it done, um, San Diego state, I mean, maybe, maybe the urgency isn't there, but they're, I mean, their defense is incredible, but they're also pretty reliant on like Matt Bradley going off. So if he has like an off shooting night, it could spell trouble. And like, can he just, and he seems to be going off whenever he wants, but he's got to do it three days in a row um, yep. against really good defenses. So maybe they're a bit vulnerable. Any thoughts between, I think it's a two-part question. Do you have a preference for either, you know, you're going to get a little better price on, let's see, Fresno's like 10 to one, Utah State's 13-ish to one at one book that I'm looking at right now. Um, do you have any preference for one of those two, if you wanted to take a long shot and then thoughts on like Colorado State, San Diego State, if it, is indeed the rubber match. Yeah, I probably would it, it, like team in a vacuum. I'd prefer Utah state because I like their coaching. I think they can win in different ways more than Fresno state can. I, I think they can win basically one way, uh, but the draw is better for Fresno. Like I, I view San Diego state as a little more vulnerable because uh, how reliant they are on Bradley. Like you said, that, that's another team that basically wins by shutting you down and getting enough points offensively they can't have the, the random game where their, their offense goes crazy. Uh, so I, I would probably lean towards Fresno state just because of the path. But if we get Colorado state and San Diego state again, I, I have to lean towards the Aztecs. I, I know our, our mutual friend, Jordan Majeski has joked about how Dutcher kind of owns Medved, uh, but he, he has uh, even that big, big comeback in Fort Collins was kind of evidence of it and how he's able to frustrate a lot of what Colorado state wants to do offensively. Uh, so I would probably lean towards the Aztecs there if they get there. I just think they're more vulnerable to an upset in the quarterfinals, which makes this one tricky for me to bet futures. I'll, I'll probably go in game by game in this one. Question for you, since I, I think you maybe went to one of these games. I know you watched them. Any Maybe then this is a, another point for a UNLV future, but UNLV destroyed Colorado State, and then uh, they destroyed them again. So was there anything to that from a matchup perspective? Was it just like fluky results? Is there something that UNLV did that really gave Colorado State problems? I mean, it was two blocks. Pretty surprising when they did it again. Yeah, I got the vibe. It just like the first half, especially Colorado State could not get anything anywhere near the paint. Like, I don't know if UNLV just played a lot more compact and said, we dare you to shoot over the top of us. We don't want David Roddy to, to beat us up inside. They didn't give up any driving lanes. But UNLV got up early in the home game, and it was because Colorado State was just throwing up long jumpers, threes or even long twos. Uh, I think UNLV is very acutely aware of their lack of true size, so they try to do play a little more compact and, and force teams to beat them over the top. Now that caught up to them when Boise State was really hot a week later. I was, I was at that game as well. Um, but that that definitely was a, an issue for Colorado State, and they have nobody to guard Bryce Hamilton. Like he's too quick uh, for Tanjay, he's too big for any of their little guards, and uh, too quick for even Roddy as well. So I think he's a matchup nightmare. And then the way they defended Colorado State was was really troublesome for them too. Yeah, I mean, it just this if you haven't been like, there's gonna be a lot of people here listening that haven't been watching college basketball all year. There are some incredible, incredible individual players in this conference i mean that can just take over a game at any point in time if you haven't watched david roddy play uh i think he's he, is he on draft boards um but i think he might should at least in my opinion yes. start creeping up onto the nba right army matt bradley is just a, a human torch and you got orlando robinson who's just a freak at fresno state bryce hamilton at unlv you know you have the guards at nevada and i mean it just it goes on and on um unbelievable uh talent it's just a great mountain west year i'll end it with this question um prediction on who two i guess two-part question prediction on who wins it and then prediction on which team of the four that we think are in if we're going to assume that wyoming is in has the highest ceiling 
in March once they get out of this conference and maybe just some of the matchup. I mean, like Wyoming's going to provide matchup issues to a lot of teams that can't defend the post and with what Maldonado does. But uh, who do you think has the who do you think ends up winning this? And then who do you think uh, has the highest ceiling in March? I'll go bold and say UNLV wins. I'll say they they do the little uh, wow. kind of miracle run on the home court here, but. Um, the, the Boise matchup would concern me. Like I said, I watched that and that was an issue, but they have the capability of beating all these teams. Uh, so I'll, I'll give UNLV the nod there. As far as highest ceiling, I'm going to go Colorado State. And it's because I think uh, kind of what I was saying earlier, they can win games in multiple different ways. Whereas I think San Diego State kind of has to win with defense and with Bradley having a great game. That's harder to do multiple times in a row against teams that are really scouting for it. Uh, Boise have an awesome resume, but they they won a lot of close games this year too, partially because Marcus Shaver is like kind of a, a late game genius, just does not miss clutch shots. Uh, but I feel like Colorado State with the combination of coaching, uh, Roddy being a matchup problem and, and a really good point guard in Stevens, I, I'll give them the nod as highest ceiling here. By the way, yeah, I'm going to go out. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Nevada wins it. Um, Ooh, wow, we're both getting bold here. Nevada UNLV semifinals. And by the way, we've talked about this. I think I talked about this in a previous episode. Teams that sweep the regular season series, they're 52% against the spread in the postseason, conference tournaments, and you know, that, that whole myth you can't beat a team three times. But you have to look at every individual case differently. Um, you can't beat a team three times. It's hard to beat a team three times, whatever is a myth. But you know, UNLV swept Nevada, but not taking too much from it. I mean, one game about it didn't have Sherfield and Washington and the other didn't have Cambridge. So like, yep. does the sweep mean that much? No. Um, so that could be an incredible game. Uh, I would favor UNLV, but I'm giving a lot better price to uh, with Nevada. So yeah, I think it's going to get crazy. Um, and then it'll be, yeah, I think, I think one of these teams that's not in is going to win it um, in Vegas. And then we're going to, and then it's going to be, and if UNLV wins, that means Wyoming might have to sweat. And then it's going to be sweating for five, potential five Mountain West teams uh, yes. in the dance. I love it. Which uh, is incredible. Uh, any any individual games that we didn't touch on that are matchups that you're like salivating on um, first round or potential? Uh, I will probably back Air Force as a dog, even though I do love Utah State. Uh, I just think when that team is competent and they're playing like the weird Joe Scott zone type stuff, they're, they're really frustrating to play against. And they had uh, one performance against Utah State this year where they just totally frustrated them with that zone. Utah State had basically their worst offensive performance of the season. Uh, so Ken Palm's got that spread at 13. 13. Yeah, I, I'll take double digits with, with the Falcons in that one. I think they hang around at least. Yeah, and then Utah State, I mean, something to keep in mind here is like Utah State – like that, I mean, the Air Force is gonna it's gonna grind you down, right? Low possessions. Utah State's not extremely fast, but Utah State knows they have to win this to get in, right? And I mean, I guess they're on the far end of the bubble, but I don't think they have any chance of getting in that large. So they have to win this to get in. They have Colorado State coming up, and then you know you gotta win four games in four days. So like, if you're up big late, like you don't push it, right? So it could open the back door if uh, if it's necessary at all. But yep. something to keep in mind. I'm sure that they want to kind of reserve some minutes here yep. and air force does uh, not quit. Like if the back door is open, they will, they will kick it down. That's the kind of team that yeah. will. All right. Great stuff as always, Jim. Um, great discussing these four conference tournaments. There's two other episodes. One I did with Matt and one I did with Kai. The other two members of the three men we've earlier today, they are out on the big bets on campus feed. We will have episode live episodes, big bets on campus live on Twitter Make sure you follow our feeds there. Follow the Three Men Weave on Twitter. Follow Jim Root. Uh, what's your handle at? Is it at Jim underscore Root? Or? No, it's at Second Chance Points. It's my Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, at Second Chance Points. When did you come up with that? Was that like your form name? or? Oh, yeah. It was like when I first started writing about basketball. I was like, I want to have some clever name that reflects my opinions and also is basketball related. And now it's kind of a bit of how it is. It's like an old AOL Instant Messenger kind of name at this point. Yeah. It's all about the second chance points. Um, all right. Great stuff. As always, enjoy the madness. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Good luck with all of your wagers. Happy futures hunting. Make sure you shop around, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of books at a lot of different prices. There's no need to take uh, a bad price if you can simply open an account somewhere else and get a better one. You can make all the difference in the world at the end of the, all of your futures portfolio. 
you, know, you hit a 80 to one instead of a 50 to one, it matters. Um, just like it matters in spread betting as well. Uh, so thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. We'll do some giveaways, I think, tomorrow. Buy Store Review really helps us out. Uh, but thanks for listening. Let's have a march. Enjoy the madness. And we'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Thank you.